Welcome to the FarmD Money Podcast, where certified financial planner Derek Delaney brings financial education and observation to help pharmacists navigate their most important financial questions. Welcome in Farm D Nation to episode number four of the Farm D Money Podcast. I am your host, Derek Delaney. Thank you all for joining me today. I'd like to start this episode by recognizing that money is complicated. You spend a large part of your life pursuing it while simultaneously trying not to lose it. You are faced with many decisions today on ways you can spend it while also being obligated with trying to figure out the best way to grow and invest it for your future. Doing all of this within the realm of the changing rules and regulations, big life events and random economic anomalies like, say, I don't know, global pandemic can be extremely difficult. So it's not if, but when you eventually run into some financial roadblocks or mistakes, failure will happen. It's not if, but when. So in this episode, we're going to concentrate on three areas where I see pharmacists tend to find themselves facing those financial roadblocks and different ways they can navigate their way out as quickly as possible. Or put another way, failing fast. Roadblock number one that I see a lot of pharmacists have to deal with, especially earlier in their careers, is digging out of debt. All debt is not created equal. When used responsibly, debt can actually be a good thing. So I want you to think about this. One of the first things you're going to want to do when it comes to digging out of debt is to actually separate your good debt from your bad debt. And I know many of you have probably heard there is a difference, but I just want to clarify in case there are any questions from listeners. An example of good debt could consist of student loans and maybe a mortgage. I consider those to be good debts because there is some sort of utility behind the debt. Student loan debt gets you the education that allows you to do the job that you are currently doing right now or allows you to potentially do a job you're pursuing which could provide greater, far greater economic benefit over the long term than the actual debt itself. Same thing for a mortgage. It not only provides you with shelter and a place to live and a place to raise a family, but for some people, it could end up being one of their bigger assets they have ownership to later on in life. So I would consider that to be good debt. Common examples of bad debt are usually the, the common credit card debt or other personal unsecured debt people usually have a tendency of accumulating. I consider that bad debt because there is no collateral behind it. It is just outstanding debt with zero utility behind it. Interest rates on these type of debt instruments are usually a bit higher and the payback terms are usually less favorable and are harder to negotiate. So the first thing I want people to do who are potentially trying to figure out how to dig themselves out of debt is start by categorizing your debt And this in turn will help you learn which debt you should focus on first, but it will also hopefully provide you with some context on how dire your situation actually is, which can help psychologically. If you think, man, I have $150,000 of debt and I'm 25 years old, but 135 of that is student loans, you're actually not in that bad of a situation because the majority of your debt is backed by an education that hopefully can provide an economic value over the long term that will be far greater from a dollar standpoint than the total cost of repaying that debt. So again, categorize your debt first, separate good debt from bad debt. Next, do the math and create an end date on some of those debt obligations. So 
Most debt consists of an interest rate and a loan balance that are known at any specific time during the payback period. There could be some payment flexibility that you can usually control as far as when you make payments and how much you can make payments and if there are any prepayment penalties, stuff like that. But usually you can get an end date on a lot of debt just by knowing the interest rate and the current loan balance because you can factor in those other assumptions because those are stuff you can control. So based off of that, you can come up with an end date on this debt and doing so puts you in control. If you pay X amount each month on this debt, you know everything else remaining constant, it will be paid off by X date. So now you're not just throwing money at debt, hoping that it goes down and hoping that you're doing the right thing. You actually have an understanding that my payment right now is going to help me accomplish my end goal, which is to eliminate this debt at X amount. I like to use the example a lot of running. Let's just say you have to run 10 miles. It becomes very, very painful if you're not actually tracking those miles and you just go out for a run. But if you have some sort of beacon that you can shoot for, whether that's an end date or whether that's intermediate dates before you get to an end date, helps you psychologically control your situation and keeps you motivated to keep going because you know and you can see you're actually getting closer to that end goal, which in this situation is paying off that debt. Next, I want you to reevaluate the circumstances or habits that got you into that debt to begin with. So this is really big for a lot of people because understanding what got you into that debt will help you avoid reliving that again after you get paid off. Now, I know a lot of debt that a lot of people are going to be carrying who are going to be listening to this podcast could potentially be student loan debt. And that's something a lot of people probably know they're never going to want to incur again or will have to incur again. And that's great. If we're talking about people who are holding some of that bad debt, credit card debt, or other personal debt, how'd you get yourself into that situation? Was there a way you could have potentially avoided that? And if there was, just make note because if that situation arises again, maybe play it out a little differently. Nothing is more debilitating than fighting your way out of debt only to find yourself back in it. So roadblock number one, digging out of debt. I want you to categorize your debt from into good and bad debt. I want you to do the math and create an end date on a lot of those debt obligations, especially the bad debt. Then I want you to reevaluate the circumstances that got you into those habits to make sure you don't fall into the same situation after you've worked tirelessly to get yourself out. Moving on, roadblock number two, I like to call the FOMOA mistake. FOMO, a lot of people are familiar with that, fear of missing out. I like to call it FOMOA because it's fear of missing out again. People usually are not fooled or tempted into something if they miss out on something the first time. I really believe when it comes to finances, once people miss out a second time is when they end up making bad decisions when it comes to their money. So I just want you to imagine now that, and maybe some of you don't have to imagine, but you're 30 to 40-something-year-old pharmacist, you have a family, and you have all their activities that you have to pay attention to, your spouse works, who's maybe even a pharmacist as well, you are involved in your community, whether that's volunteering for nonprofits or sitting on boards or whatever else you could potentially do with your time, and you have personal hobbies that you want to enjoy and concentrate on as well. The remaining time you have in your day is really, really limited. Now, I want you to think that you are at a family Thanksgiving and somebody there, whether it's a relative, um, friend of a friend, whoever, brings up a humble brag about how they timed the market perfectly back at the end of March in 2020 and put all their money into Zoom stock and Bitcoin. 
They continue to go on and tell you how they bought a bunch of Tesla as well back in January of that year. And to end the conversation, before they walk away to get more wine or food or whatever else, they start to walk away, but not before they make the comment, no one should have not been able to make a bunch of money like I did. You'd have to be oblivious to let these investment opportunities go. So here you are as an extremely well-educated pharmacist who has a ton of stuff going on in your life, and all of a sudden now you just became aware that they were tremendous investment opportunities in 2020 that anybody with a brain should have taken advantage of, but you didn't. At that moment, instant FOMOA enters into your head, and because that enters into your head, knee-jerk decisions are made that may or may not, most often not, lead to financial success. Those knee-jerk decisions could be, well, this person invested in this stock or this person invested in this investment vehicle. Maybe I should do the same thing and I shouldn't weigh it. I shouldn't look into it more. I shouldn't look for any honest feedback on that decision because every second I waste not putting my money to work like this person I knew at Thanksgiving did is opportunity I'm missing out on. So you make that decision, you put your money to work, and then all of a sudden you look at your investment that you made two months later in your way down. And you think to yourself, oh my God, the game is rigged. Why did I do this? I have complete and utter remorse for making that investment decision. So what can a pharmacist do if they find themselves in this situation where they just get done having that conversation with that relative at Thanksgiving who told them they missed out on making great investment decisions in 2020? My piece of advice would be to take a deep breath and pursue three options. The first one would be run your potential decision, whether it's an investment decision or not, by a non-biased third party for honest feedback. And honestly, this is where having a financial professional by your side could, could become very, very valuable. Not only will they give you their honest, hopefully professional feedback, but they'll do it in an unbiased way because they have nothing to gain for whether you make that decision or not. And you're getting honest feedback from somebody who's got a different perspective, most likely, than that relative at Thanksgiving. Number two, I would avoid any immediate confirmation bias activities. It's very, very easy now for people to get an idea and then run to a place like Google and search, is this idea right? For example, you could go to Google and and search, will X investment go higher? And chances are you could find 200 pages of information, whether they're blogs or articles or anything else, that will tell you exactly what you want to hear and that your thinking is spot on. And that confirmation bias will probably spur you to action, whether that's actually action you should be taking or not. So avoid those confirmation bias activities, especially right away. And then number three, revisit your core money values and objectives. Does the decision you're potentially thinking about making align with your core values and your future objectives when it comes to your money? If it doesn't, tread very, very cautiously. If it does, I would say go back and revisit number one and number two just to make sure you're on the right track. Doing these three things can help avoid the FOMOA decision-making that could potentially lead to a poor financial outcome. Roadblock number three, buyer's remorse. So regardless of what age you're at or what stage of your career you're in as a pharmacist, my bet is at some point you are going to purchase something substantial. Whether it's a financial product like an annuity, life insurance, stock bonds, whatever else. Maybe it's a new toy, like a new vehicle, a a boat, or a wildly expensive item at a county fair. 
You know, you could go to a county fair and all of a sudden you get to these extravagant items that people people are selling and it looks really cool and you pull the trigger. Or maybe it's a big luxury item, like a second home. Uh, maybe it's a big renovation you want to do, or it's that trip of a lifetime you book online at 11:30 at night after the second glass of wine. Regardless of what it is, my guess at some point in your life, if you even haven't already, you're going to experience some sort of buyer's remorse. After you make that purchase, a little time goes by and you find yourself thinking, oh no, I made a huge mistake. Now what? The first thing I want you to do if you find yourself experiencing this type of financial roadblock is swallow your pride and limit the downside. You're probably never going to get back to even based off of your initial decision and hoped outcome when you made that financial decision or financial purchase. Just know that we are human and it happens to everybody. Chances are you're never going to get back to even, so swallow your pride and limit the downside if it's really something that you regret. Number two is get creative. Chances are if you made this decision, somebody else before you has made the same decision And now with the power of the internet, you can explore non-traditional avenues in search of a solution that maybe somebody else has uncovered who's gone through the same situation. So look for that social proof. Find somebody else who's gone through the situation before. And the best place to start looking is online. Go to Google and type in your situation and see what comes up. Maybe somebody has experienced something like this before and they have found a creative solution you can explore as well. And number three, learn from it. Identify the situation you found yourself in when you made that big purchase that now you regret. So when you find yourself again in that same situation, because chances are you're going to give yourself the opportunity to make another similar situation, you can identify it before you end up pulling the trigger, which again alleviates buyer's remorse when you don't have any to begin with. So learn from it. The easiest way to recruit any shortcomings you previously experienced through buyer's remorse is by doing something different the second time around. So as pharmacists, you're going to find yourself having to make some pretty big financial decisions. And chances are some of those decisions will be flat out wrong. We are human and it happens. The faster you can fail, course correct, and get moving in the right direction can lessen the long-term pain of those financial roadblocks. If you're looking for more information about the podcast, myself, or FarmDFP, feel free to visit the firm's website at farmdfp.com. Also, feel free to check out and subscribe to the YouTube channel, FarmD Financial Planning, for more great insight. Email podcast at farmdfp.com with questions, topics, or ideas you'd like to hear more about. Finally, FarmD Nation, until next time, be well. The FarmD Money Podcast is not intended to be tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions expressed on the show are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or investment advice.